Let me ask you something. Have you realized that what happens in your mind actually shows up in your reality? Are you living your dream life or your worry life? Welcome to the Dream Team Podcast, where we will reverse engineer what our wonderful and successful guests have done to create a life that they love. So you can too. Hello and good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining us on the Dream Team Life podcast. Today we have yet another extraordinary guest. We'd love to bring you the most interesting, fascinating people that will inspire you to live your dreams every week. And today we have a lady who's got quite a story. Like so many of us, she's had many challenges, but she has risen, I like to think like a phoenix from the ashes of many, many challenges and she now lives a life that she loves as an actress and a producer and she's absolutely fascinating and she's absolutely rocking it on Clubhouse. So she runs many, many successful rooms so she's found her voice to be used brilliantly on Clubhouse and helping so many people and inspiring so many people. So I'd like to welcome welcome Barbara Majeski. Thank you, Barbara, for coming today and joining us. Yes, and thank you so much. I love being here. You said I was an actress, which I thought was really funny, but I'm actually just an on-air personality. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wonder why I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, I thought that was really funny. I was like, oh, I, I that's a new one. I, um, you know, I think that's a real Well, one. it might be a prediction from the future. I don't know. You know, since we're manifesting all the time, maybe you are setting an intention today. You know what, Marissa, it does trigger something. I'm like, well, why am I not putting that on my goal list? Because maybe I can be like a, um, you know, like a walk-on or, you know, a cameo. Yeah. I could do a cameo. You may have literally put something out into the universe. So when I make Woo-hoo. my cameo appearance with, let's just say, Brad Pitt. Let's oh. throw some ones out. <laughs> Brad, he's really cute from Philadelphia. I don't know that Brad. Brad yeah, yeah, maybe you know we'll make a story about your success in Clubhouse. Who knows? Or your success <laughs> in your launch in this wonderful podcast, you know? <laughs> so many possibilities. No, I know. So, I love, love it. I love it. So Barbara, what I'd like to um if you would be so kind, um, tell us a little bit about who you are mm-hmm. and a little bit about um how you got to be an on-air personality and what's your story? Who is Barbara Majeski? Oh, that's such a great question. And Bar- Barbara Majeski continues to evolve and, <laughs> and shed skins. And actually, I want to go off on even just, you know, who we are. You know, I'm talking to all these sometimes college students or 20 year olds or, th- you know, just talking to everyone. And everyone seems like they have to fixate on a title and an action. And I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a television personality. And, you know, you know, when I think about that question, I'm like, at any given time in my life, that moniker has changed and evolved because I've shed skins that were no longer serving me and then evolved into new dynamics and new chapters in my life. And I wish I kind of knew that going into certain things. I think I felt like I was always trapped or I think we, I was raised to think like you take one job, you spend 35 years there, you get your watch, there's a retirement party, you get your pension. We don't, you don't have, that's, that's an antiquated um, concept because what I'm seeing is that we're all having many, many lives and many chapters and evolutions and rebirth and 
peaks, you know, everyone's like, I peaked early. I just keep having different peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys and understanding, you know, that uh, tough times don't last, but tough people do. So just to answer that question, where I am today, what skin are you, what skin are you sporting, Babs? Um, you know, I, <laughs> well, I might be an actress in my next lifetime, so we're, we don't know, we don't know, um, but I am an on-air television personality. I do lifestyle and entertainment here in the United States on uh, Good Day New York, Inside Edition, Fox and Friends, The Today Show, um, and recently I've kind of popped on to Clubhouse, and I'm really just trying to cultivate rooms of uh, purpose and value and um, really um, conversation. So that's the skin I'm in today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and what was the okay. second part? Go ahead. I'll let you ask and I'll just. Yeah, no. Um, so we, we asked sort of like, so yeah, who, who are you today? But, but how did you become this person? So what's your story that brought you to who you are today? And I don't suppose you went there in a straight line. So yeah. tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you might feel have made you or some of the incredible things. Um, feel free to share. <laughs> yeah, so I am a twin. I think it starts there. So I'm a twin and then I'm a twin brother and I have younger twin brothers. Uh, so I'm one of four, two sets of twins and my mother's a triplet. So twins, I know, right? everyone's like, oh, what? You twins yeah. run in our family. Um, I have three children. They're all singles. And I believe God gives you what you can handle. And God looked at me and was like, there is no way this girl could handle a set of twins. The, <laughs> yes. And it, it is the truth. Whoever made you very good. Yes. No, I have three. And my third is like a big age difference between the first two. So what also runs in my family, and I'm sorry if my beeper is going off. Let me see if I can turn off that, those alarms and stuff like that. So what also runs in my family uh, is a condition known as fragile X. And my what that is, is that is a genetically inherited form of neurological impairment. It is much like Down syndrome. And um, my, one of my brother, Stephen, in the second set, inherited Fragile X. So he's neurologically impaired um, and basically relies on the care of others, you know, to take care of him. But he's just got a lovely disposition and he's the love of my life. Um, and the reason I share this with you is when... I was, um, when he was a baby or when, when he was three years old, I was giving him and his twin brother a bath. Why a six-year-old is giving three-year-old twins a bath? We don't know. This is the 1970s, ladies and gentlemen. There's no car seats or whatever. You just, if the six-year-old is the adult and the, I don't know that part of the story. So don't come at me. I don't know. <laughs> I will tell you, we, it was like, I remember just six inches of water. It wasn't, it was like a little like splash, whatever, but I'm playing patty cake with Michael, his twin brother. And I turn around and Steven is not responsive and he doesn't want to play patty cake. And he's just like laying there and I'm like, all right. So I go get my mother, my father. Anyway, um, Steven had a seizure. I did not know this. And he actually ultimately slipped into a coma. And for a month, my little brother, Stephen, didn't come home. And you have to understand this set of twins, were, they were actually mine in my viewpoint. They were actually dolls that my parents brought home for me mm. to play with. These were not, these were dolls. These were my play toys. Yeah. They were my patty cakers. 
they were whatever I wanted them to be because, you know, I was mommy's little helper. So I couldn't, somebody took one of my dolls away, my play toys. And I was scared. And I remember my mother coming home or my father and sitting both my twin brother and I down and saying, Steven's coming home. And I was so happy. And I was like, they were like, but he will, you know, he's been through a lot and he'll never be able to speak. He'll never be able to speak because he had had a tracheotomy and his heart stopped beating, what have you. Now we didn't know he had fragile X at the time, but the point of the story is that in that moment, I said to my mother, which is very profound in the story of, you know, my life. I said, he doesn't need to speak. I will speak for him. And it's just kind of this, yeah, it's, it's just a like, you know, you don't know, you just don't know, you know, but that is what I said. And that is kind of the vow that I live out in this lifetime that has gotten me through a lot of adversity. And I do love sharing it because I always find that wrapped in adversity can be a, if you can allow it to serve and help others, that's the only emancipation from suffering. So I, I do love to share the stories that are interwoven in my life of, of transversing adversity in the hopes that others understand that we all go through difficult times and we all find ourselves in the fetal position on the bathroom floor in one form or fashion or another. And it's just a matter of how do we rise and keep moving the feet forward. So I'm going to fast forward and explain the kind of the trajectory of what got me through when I was 13. And you can stop me and ask questions at any time. And I will go as quickly. No, we love it. Keep going. Keep going. We love it. So when I'm, I'm 13, and so my twin brother and I, 13, the younger set are 10. My parents lost everything. Just the wheels fell off. I don't really know. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> and we all had to get separated in some form or fashion. I call my, my childhood is growing up Schwartz. Like my, my maiden name is Schwartz. And it was like, it's a fun, fabulous childhood filled with like stories and all that. So the four of us had to get kind of moved around. So my dad had to move to California to live with his brother in a one bedroom condo in La Jolla. And my mother had to move in with her cousin in East Windsor, New Jersey. So the four of us had to kind of get shuffled wow. around. So we didn't like, yeah, so we didn't like overtax any, you know, side of the family. Anyway, this went on for about a year. I spent that year actually in California with my father. And in whatever form of fashion, the four of us were kind of juggled around. <clears throat> I was never separated from my special needs brother, Stephen. We just were kind of like a package deal. And there came a point after about a year and a half of me living in California, I wanted to go to high school in New Jersey. So I told my dad, I wanted to move back East and live in New Jersey and, and go to high school with my, 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 my Jersey friends. I'm a, I'm a Jersey girl. And the, he was like, no problem. I got it. And, you know, I was like, dad, I'm going to take Steven. And he was like, no, I totally get it. And you guys will all start school in Jersey. We get to the airport, school has started and we're taking the red eye flight from LAX to Newark, New Jersey. Steven's not having it. He's having the meltdown of a lifetime, meltdown of a lifetime. And I, he, they're boarding the plane and he's just flat out on the floor of the airport, not getting on the plane. And my father says to me, Barbara, I'll, I'll take care of Steven. And I was like, what? I'm like, Steven, no, remember these, I don't know why, but they belong to me. Everything. Yeah. It's all about me. And I was like, no, Stephen comes with me. And he was like, um, no, I got this. I'll take care of Stephen. I am the father. And I was <laughs> like, that's that's lovely, but I am Barbara. So, <laughs> I don't know. So my dad and I are kind of going back and forth. And I'm like, and dad, my dad's like, you've got to board this plane. Like a school has started. Like you gotta go. 
and the stewardess is standing there and it's a crime scene and I'm sweating and he's crying and my aunt is there and you know she's yelling at my father and it was like a whole like it's a it it belongs in a movie crime scene like (laughs) I get on the floor of the Uh, at the airport and I just say to Steven and I was like you have to get up and you have to get on this plane with me I am not leaving without you and by the grace of God he gets up grabs my hand and we walk onto the plane and I just wave to my dad with like a just like oh 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 oh, I'm getting him on the plane getting on the plane I don't say anything just wave with like the back of my hand board the plane Steven passes out goes to sleep because he's obviously cried himself you know to a unconscious level And I plotted my life and I made a vow that I would always take care of him. I said, no matter what I need to do in this lifetime, I'll figure it out. And I I will never let you suffer. I will never let you want. I will never, you will never be institutionalized. I'm going to make it in this world. You know, I'm going to make money. I'm going to make sure you have a caretaker. Like, like that. I was so filled with like rage and intent. Like I was so fired up. I was like plotting. I didn't sleep the whole red eye flight back. We're talking leave at 10 o'clock at night, land at six o'clock in the morning. I plotted my whole life. That was my, I started my freshman year of high school the very next day, no sleep. Um, But I had something in the back pocket that I carried through the, you know, till this day, till you're meeting me today. It is still something that I really um, embody. Uh, You know, I put myself through college. I helped start a sales company after I graduated college. $40,000 in debt. I went door to door and I chose that because I thought I can't take a job. I got, I got to take care of Steven. So I had to take like a commission-based job that was based on my, if I was going to work hard, I was going to make money. And then I figured out, okay, if I could just expand this. And so I took a lot of initiative. I, I worked my, I worked like crazy. I was a lunatic, but I helped with the scaling and expansion of this sales company that today is a huge sales company. And, and um, it's probably the largest outsourced direct sales company in North America. I am not one of the founders, but I was one of the people that started in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So um, you can imagine that has taken mm-hmm. care of a lot of things. And, you know, I, I did marry the man that, um, was also part of that company, um, oh. was ultimately able to take over as Steven's legal guardian, advocate for him. Um, and wow. yeah, so it just, you know, when I wanted to quit that crazy and that was crazy, that was crazy. Who does that? Who goes door to door and thinks they're going to make millions of dollars? Where do you get the strength to do all that? Was it a pure motivation or do you get the strength? Because it must've been exhausting. You know, first of all, that job was totally exhausting because it was door to door and everybody told me it was a scam. Everybody told me I was crazy and I should get a real job where that had, you know, salary and benefits and paid vacation and all the jazzy jazz. And I had this instinct. I was like, no, I think this is really smart. Like it spoke to a very logical side to me. So where I got the motivation and the, the perseverance when everybody told me to quit and everyone was quitting around me mm-hmm. was I had an instinct about number one, the business model. I, the people I was surrounded with were unlike anybody ever knew. They were huge thinkers. They, you know, not just thought big, but they, they backed up with their actions. They, we had a vision for what we were doing and just with the understanding, like it, it spoke so logically to me and, you know, the pieces between A and B were just a matter of like hustle and grind and grit and figuring it out. And when I wanted to quit, it just came down to Steven. I'm like, if I quit, how the heck am I going to take care of him? And this is the, this is my one shot. I really believed in it. And I think 
you know, you talk about manifestation. I just think I like I could visualize all these sales offices. I could I could see that other people could also do well. I'm like, if I could just find like minded individuals like me that really roll up their sleeves, work hard and help with this expansion. Not only can I do fiscally well, I can help others to do fiscally well. I just have to find who these people are. And I imagine that they're out there. So I think it just understanding that I really did have a big vision in mind. And it's the same thing where I am on Clubhouse. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to blow this up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Like I have like, I haven't had that kind of gut instinct until I hopped on Clubhouse. And now I'm like, oh, wait a second. There's something here. And I'm at the beta phase. I'm at the ground level again. I love that. Oh yeah. Mama's going to be part of that. It's a lot about uh, vision because you, I think, it sounds like, or it seems like you can almost taste it. You can almost touch it when you have this vision. So you're so certain of the, those things. And do you ever uh, doubt? Does, do people ever get to make you doubt? Okay. This- doubt, fear, anxiety, uh, fear of humiliation, embarrassment. Like, am I going to say the wrong thing? And not as, you know, I, all the time, all the time. I just keep moving the feet forward. I'm like, I don't know. I, Marissa, that's such a good question because, you know, we all have uh, moments of doubt and frustration, but, you know, it's part of human nature and it is part of nature to judge and think through things and be fearful. It is the human condition. It saves us from walking into oncoming traffic. It is a matter of... Moving the feet forward safely in a, you know, a positive direction, even though, you know, it's, what did they say? Like, you know, feel the fear, but move through it anyway, kind of thing. Yeah, feel the fear anyway, yeah. Feel the fear, you know, I just, I, um, I have high integrity. I have strong values. I attract Mm -hmm. really good people. And I believe ships rise in high tide. And when you surround yourself with good people, the momentum of that kind of inertia just all of a sudden, oh, it's almost like the inertia of like, I think people even supporting me on Clubhouse now is almost moving me like, oh, I, I really do have to be part of this movement to build out these clubs and build out these retreats and build out these environments to have like curated conversations in rooms and opportunities so we can all not only develop great mindset, but also put tools into action on all the different, you know, platforms. Yeah. So, you know, on all the different ways. So, Yes, I I don't I, I do think there's something just w- having to do with that, and I do I, I end up with really great people. I don't know, and it's almost like I like well we're all we're all in this together. We're all on, get get yeah. up. Yeah, well, it's part of your belief, so you do believe that you will always be, you'll always be surrounded by great people. So it, it has to manifest. It has to work because it's what you believe. You know, the thing oh, would be you yeah. doubted that. Oh, how would I be ever be able to? you know meet interesting people because you don't feel like you will able will be able to do it then there's a tiny space for doubt i i do naturally have a very sunny disposition and um i'm delusionally optimistic sometimes (laughs) Uh, you know are you serious by any chance (laughs) yeah I, i think it's just i yeah, I, I will share with you. There was a story that was interwoven in there. It was something with my cancer and um, I can't remember. And that I have like three brain cells. Chemo really did a number on my nugget, my, my noodle. But um, 
I see. I'm still moving the feet forward. But yeah, you know, just um, dealing with negativity. That's what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about dealing with fear and adversity. And when recently in my 40s, when I decided it was time to swipe left and swiping left, by the way, I am single now. And swiping left is a when you are on a dating app and you are not interested, you swipe left. That's what's what, what I, did, I, I, I think we all know which app. It's called Tinder. Yeah, I know. Okay. I've, I've been there. We've all done it. I know. Marissa has, and she's been married since she was about eight years old. But the rest of us men mortals, we are, I'm single too. I get it. <laughs> okay. You know, I assume, I want to know that the audience, anybody who's hearing me, understands my metaphors um, because I want it to be heard and clear. So I, after, um, so I was diagnosed in 2015 with stage three colon cancer. I threw my kids were, I had three kids at the time. They were in sixth grade, fourth grade, and I had a four-year-old and my marriage had just fallen apart. My marriage had completely imploded same year, July of 2015. And I was diagnosed in November of 2015. So I'm like, okay, so my marriage is, is over and now I could be losing my life. So I'm really not doing, I'm not, I'm like, this is, this is negative. This is tough. Okay. All right, let's do this. Um, um, so I'm in the middle of um, my cancer treatment. So I had to have a, a foot of my large intestine taken out. I think they duct taped the rest of it together. I don't know what they do in there because I'm sleeping. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the super glue. I don't know. I'm not there. I can't I can't report else. Whatever they do, they realized it had perforated the, the tumor had perforated the intestinal walls in my lymph nodes. That was a hot mess express. So here's your six months of chemo. So I'm like, all right, well, listen, I ran the New York City Marathon. I'm pretty badass and I'll just bang it out. Uh, chemo knocked me sideways. I couldn't drive a car. I couldn't concentrate. I got violently ill in my infusions. I was uh, really knocked me silly sideways. And in the middle, after like one of particularly challenging infusion, <clears throat> a couple of days afterwards, I was like, I don't think I kept thinking, I'm like, oh my God, I have another, um, you know, I have another infusion coming up and I, I'm not doing well. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to make it. I thought, it's not the cancer it's going to take me. This chemo is going to take, I'm not going to make it through this. And I thought in that, in that space, I was like, wow, this is where my story ends. My story ends at 42. And what am I going to be, you know, what, what am I going to be proud of? And what do I, what, what can I reflect on? And I'm sorry, my phone's beeping. Everyone who's listening. It's okay. It's not actually picking up. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I, I have no idea how to work a phone. I, I don't know. Um, so I, in this moment, think, you know, my story ends here. And I kind of reflected on the things I was really proud of and I wanted to be remembered by, so on and so forth. And then I realized I had so much more that I wanted to do. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I'm not done, I'm not done, I'm not done. Like, like world, I, I still have chapters to write. I'm not, I'm not done. And I thought about all the things that I wanted to do and what have you. And I was like, just really took stock of, I was proud of a lot of the things that I had really, you know, done, put myself through college, started a business, helped raise money for amazing philanthropies, really, really proud of that, wanted my kids to know. And it was in that same, you know, in that moment, I kind of made a vow to the universe. I'm like, all right, all right, give Babs, come on, give me, give me one more shot. Give me another shot. Just give me one more shot. And I will no longer let the voices of self-doubt and fear or the weight of other people's opinions dictate how I'm going to live my life. Because I realized I had really stopped myself in certain things because I had had very negative self-talk and 
<clears throat> I just said, you know what? I'll go big. I'll go big. You give me another shot. I will go big. And it was in line. The going big was what I had realized was all the things that I wanted to be remembered by were all hinged on my brother. I wanted to be, I wanted my kids to know I put myself through college. Well, when I wanted to quit college, I thought if I quit college, I can't take care of Steven. And then when I got into the workforce, so I ended up graduating. When I got into the workforce, I didn't take a job. I took some crazy opportunity and I persevered and I, and I never quit when everyone else did because I thought I got to, I have to take care of Steven. Then I launched this philanthropy initiative because I realized that there were children with cleft lips and cleft palates that had no voices and could not speak for themselves. And I was like, all right, well, I got a big mouth. I'm going to go ahead and launch a philanthropy initiative. And I ended up getting a humanitarian award in 2015, that uh, May of 2015. Yeah, 2015 was quite a year, all over the place. Um, And I realized, but I was really proud of that. And that's what I wanted, you know everyone to remember me by the highlights of my life all hinged upon that. I was always taking care of Steven, which, and, and speaking for those who couldn't speak for themselves with that, you know, philanthropy initiative. And in that moment, I had true clarity where it was never me taking care of Steven as much as it was Steven taking care of me. He gave me rise to the greatest gift anybody could be given, which is the gift of purpose. And when I had that clarity and I had that humbling, oh my God, mm-hmm. I have been given the greatest gift of a lifetime yeah. that if you just give me one more shot, give me just one more shot, I will live out my calling. I will live out my purpose. I will go bigger bolder, better than I ever have before. I will continue to use my voice in service. I will elevate my profile and I will go absolutely, I will continue to to live a life of service and give back. So I said, just give me one more shot. Give me one more shot. Swipe left to those negative voices you asked about. How do I do it? Well, now I do it better. Now I'm like, and trust me, they come in. They come in. I just keep moving the feet forward. I'm like, yeah, I could flounder here and flounder there, flounder everywhere. Oh my God, I'm Dr. Seuss. Um, (laughs) So I got out of cancer and I was like, all right, Babs, you made a big, bold, badass vow to a higher calling. What you doing? And I was like, I'm going on TV because that's what I knew as bit. You know, I was like, all right, Babs, you're going on the, you know, and here I am a stay-at-home mom. Uh, in, uh, going through a divorce and I'm like, well, I, I want to go on TV. I'm going to go on TV because TV is going to give me a higher profile and give me a little celebrity, a little bit of cachet, a little bit of jazzy jazz, sold my wedding ring, hired a media trainer and who I found off Instagram. I found her off Instagram, ladies and gentlemen, found her <laughs> Instagram, and you know, it took me a month and a half to call her because I was like, what kind of psycho stalker does this? Like I, I I'm from an age where you go through a new paper and you answer an ad you don't stalk yeah. Instagram but so I finally got the courage and I was like hi stalking you on Instagram here and she goes I love your voice uh, you would be she goes I go can you media train me I think I want to be on television so the rest is history I ended up calling this woman Amy Rosenblum who has like been in the industry for a hundred years she'll say that <laughs> not me and she knew everyone, like all her interns are now the executives at all the stations. And she oh. trained me and the rest is history. She's like, you know, a sister to me. We literally at times are like the same person um, and serendipitously. And then I'll stop talking, but I have to share this little nugget. 
my younger brother, Steven, the love of my life, the, the, my, my true champion and biggest fan loves mm-hmm. Joan Rivers. Before Joan Rivers died, he just worshiped her, Joan Rivers, Joan Rivers, all her books. Anytime Aww. she was on Joan Rivers, guess who was Joan Rivers' best friend? Amy Rosenblum. No. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. So hello, people on the afterlife. We told, I'm like, I go, Amy uh, Jones sent me to you and you to me. And like, uh, yeah, sisters from a different mister. So yeah. So that is that. So now I'm on uh, vision. I do clubhouse because I think, you know, again, that elevates my profile, my sphere of influence. And um, I just really want to expand my brand, my name. And if somebody from the UK and Peru want to talk to me, you better believe I'm like, let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Oh, okay. We have a lot of listeners in India for some reason too. Hello to all our India listeners. I don't know why we have lots of them, but like they like us. So oh my God. Too. <laughs> best podcast ever. I just went global. So that's my <laughs> Exactly. Now you're everywhere. You're everywhere. I told I said this will be the purpose for me to start moving my connections. <laughs> you have to start yes. speaking. <laughs> you can't play small. You can't play small. And you know what? There's listen, I mess up sometimes on Clubhouse and I say, like, I don't know. We just have to be own our mistakes or our and we just have to be human in our experience and all of that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Swipe left on negative voices and the weight of other people's opinions. I'm done. Left. That's Goodbye. They don't, yeah. I, I'll, I'll quote Dr. Seuss because I seussed it up a little bit ago. Uh, people that matter uh, don't mind and people that mind don't matter. Yeah. Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Amazing. I've never heard that. That's it. People that matter. I, I thought I think on Instagram a couple of days ago and, you know, I imagine the serendipity that I you say to me now. So this is an amazing story. And what I like is that um, I think it does make a difference because everybody feels it. Everybody feels the doubt. Everybody feels the, the fear. And the only difference is what you do about it. So do you do you ever hold space as well for that process? So you try to just swipe left or you have to, because I no, think I, it's also no, when you that's, are- mm-hmm. that's a really good question. I think it's really important. Uh, sometimes I just need to take a knee. And what that means is I just need to, you know, throw myself a little pity party, have a little anxiety, have a little moment to myself where I, I doubt, I feel, I feel embarrassed. I feel flawed. I feel all the feels, all the negative feels. Mm -hmm. And I, I just go through it. You know, you grow Mm -hmm. through what you go through. And Mm -hmm. I am, somebody says something and it, triggers me or I feel, you know, unheard, just like, you know, so ultimately, do I swipe left? I keep moving the feet forward, you know, but I can't, I am not, you know, I'm a human being with, um, uh, with feelings and emotions and fears and all of that. I am, um, and I'm sensitive and I'm empathic and, um, I want people to like me and I want to be liked and I I want people to understand me. So when I'm misunderstood or I'm taken, you know, I'm, you know, I feel it all. And sometimes I just, I have to go quiet and, um, feel sorry for myself and kick rocks and just have a, my own little party of pity and but I don't know I just wake up and I'm like all right here's a new day and um let's just keep going but I I think it's anybody that doesn't 
tell you that they don't have their moments, I think is just setting, you know, I, I don't, you know, I think I'm aligned with humanity when I, I think people can connect with me because I can say when my marriage fell apart, I was in the fetal position and just on the bathroom floor crying, like, like, like uh, guttural. And when I was in chemo, I found myself in the same, the same spot, like sick and just unhinged. And I feel like just to bring it back to that, you know, my brother on the floor of the airport, just completely unhinged. And I'm whispering in his ear, like, you have to get up. I have felt it has been the reverse when I have found myself in those moments of complete despair. It is now him whispering in my ear, telling me time Mm -hmm. for you to get up and it's time for you keep moving. And Mm -hmm. whether it's him or me or it's the universe saying you have more to do, there's more in you. This is, this is just part of your journey. And part of my journey is just getting kicked around here and there, but that's the, I don't know. Isn't that our, our commonality of where, what, what brings us to our knees? What has broken us, you know, in half? And then how do we grow through what we go through to serve others, you know? And, um, Mm -hmm. I said, the only emancipation from suffering is to help others. And I think that's the truth, whether I use my cancer to serve others or my, you know, I, listen, I, I haven't used my divorce because people are like, can't you help other people through divorce? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have not figured that one out. Yeah, can I ask you, can I, Yeah, you are amazing. Like, I mean, I, I just like listening and I'm taking lots of notes. Um, so, but you obviously somebody who has a very can-do attitude. You've said that. Mm-hmm. Did it? Can you honestly remember a moment when you thought, maybe I can't, or have you always gone like, I don't know how, but I will? And the universe has turned around and and showed showed me light. I, there has been recently a time, very recently. So I think I started before we went live telling you that I had to take a couple months off of television. And the reason is I that is not really public, but it is important in this conversation, is that my son, my middle son, who's now 15, a year ago started having epileptic seizures. Mm. And they have really changed the paradigm of my life because now I just live in constant emergency, you know, mode. It, it is it, it's a new diagnosis. I am unfamiliar with it. And it is scary finding your son in a full on seizure. Mm-hmm. And this winter, I, I, you know, he had a seizure. Um, and then he, this February he had a seizure, but then he had another one in the same day. And then that was, it, it was in that time frame on my face was so swollen and I'm so traumatized from it that I can't open my phone. My phone won't even, my phone is like, I don't know who the hell you are. And I'm like, I don't know who I am. And so I've taken some time off and it's, uh, it was definitely, it has definitely been like, I think this is what's going to break me. I'm like, this is, I, I think I'm at my end of my rope. I think my delusional optimism is no longer, I, I think that, I think I've lost that muscle. And um, what I have found is that I took time off. I told my agent and I told the producers, I said, I, please don't book me. I just need, I need to take a knee. I need to take a pause. And I don't know what that means. And I don't know what that looks like. I just can't be put on television and, you know, show up to, you know, talk about Valentine's day gifts 
when I'm in crisis of a, a level of crisis that I just am like unfamiliar with. And um, that's when I tuned into Clubhouse. And that's when all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, because I'm sitting around the house, making sure I'm available to him and trying to, you know, navigate doctors and neurologists and medicines. And I just want to be around. I just want to be around and ready to like mobilize. But it's the and same. It's but but my goodness, it's the same as when you did it for Stephen. You couldn't go and do these other things because of Stephen. This mm -hmm. is interesting. And all these years later, you had to stop because of this this son. And mm -hmm. it's and again and yet both times it's actually led you onto this path which has made you successful and, and, and made you made been able to impact so many people in so many ways. There's it's that surrender. And I have been saying that word surrender because of mm -hmm. my divorce and because of epilepsy and because of the pandemic and because of it's like just surrender. And, you know, I am a spiritual being having a human experience or if I've mangled that, I apologize. I know but, what you mean. Yeah. I really do. I have had to just that word has really personified me and I'm like just surrender the universe has your back and you're a good person and you'll put good good in the world and there's a great you just you know again that like okay surrender and I do tell a story every once in a while not often when I'm on clubhouse mm -hmm. I just turned it on I was like I guess I'll just sit here and what is this clubhouse thing somebody pulled me up on a stage and like they're like hey you you know I was like hey you and as soon as I am like hey hey I didn't go on there to become like a clubhouse celebrity or an influencer on clubhouse I just started sharing my story and my the value because I was in direct sales and I've I came from you know I'm self-made person and I have so all of a sudden I realized like I had so much I had so much to offer like I had and I felt so I feel like on Clubhouse, I feel so heard and valued and um, I can be funny. And when I'm just myself, like as opposed to on TV, I have four oh. minutes to talk about 72 products. And all of a sudden on Clubhouse, I could be like, you know, I can, I have something to offer. And I found a community of like-minded individuals that not only do they like what I have to share, I am, I'm getting exponentially more from them because they're like imparting wisdom to me and in, in arenas like sales funnels and, you know, TikTok reels and these things that everyone's talking about. And all of a sudden, uh, it's like this synergistic, um, it, it's on crack. The synergy for me is on crack. Like I'm getting and giving at a level that I haven't had access to since in a very long time. So it, again, I felt like I surrendered to the, to a greater calling of like I, I you know oh hold on somebody's of course my mother's trying to call me because that's wait what's so funny about this? I put a little moon thing on there to to silence it but I can't nothing works for me I don't <laughs> that's know. all right that's all right that's part of life you know we're all human it happens yeah. to me too you know my beautiful daughter is here so I have to show her she's hiding leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> running away because, you know I'm I, I would actually, you know, it would it would be wonderful if I could show you where I am, but you know, it's too much noise. I'm in a wonderful place where she does riding lessons. And let me see if I can just shift this thing for a moment. Wow. You know, that's so, well, maybe some inspiration. See, oh, beautiful. And, you know, I thought of going out there, you know, under the trees to record this, but it was too much noise. So. <laughs> and there's always, 
you know, random. Yeah. I, yeah. So I got stuck in the car, but you know, it's just part of the human experience. So I think it's wonderful what you're saying about Clubhouse. You know, Lisa started there and I fell out. I didn't really understand it at first. It was overwhelming, but it's, it is true what you're saying, because I think people here have to show themselves. There's no pictures mm -hmm. more than your profile. There's no re reels. There's no, you know, Instagram pic or you just have to be there with your voice, you know? Mm -hmm. So you yeah, can't, it I, yeah. it's so much more. It really is my, it's the first social media platform where I truly feel three-dimensional. Um, I yeah. think Truly, what I am is is a is a voice, is a storyteller, is a. I, I'm really. I am not a flat one line picture. I don't even like being photographed. To be fully transparent, it yeah. is a necessary evil. And I do it, but it is does not come easy for me. It is not natural. I'm very awkward in a photo shoot, and mm -hmm. it. I am very awkward. I can't explain it, but you know. <laughs> Being on camera or being able to talk and just really just meet. I, so I find meeting other people, like if this wasn't a podcast interviewing me, I would be, we would be in a full on conversation because I'd want to know more about you guys. We can do that offline and we'll go to Peru and we'll all yeah. meet there. Okay. <laughs> and then, yes. you, know. oh, you have to also do your podcast and have us join you as well. I know. That's I just, I just relaunched it. I, oh, I, no. I would love to come to yours and then you can ask us. <laughs> that, I just relaunched it. I put it on hold through the pandemic and everything. I was like, let me just take pause, like slowly, like figuring things out. So, so yes. So, yeah. So, um, so I, as far as I can tell somebody, you obviously you're, you're naturally bouncy and positive. You have a can do attitude. I'm simple. I'm grossly oversimplifying, but this is often quite useful to do. <laughs> Um, because of, 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 um, your brother, you, you, you had this, you kind of had to have this attitude. You had this incredible purpose. I think the clarity of purpose is so true. And I mean, in your experience and, and obviously in your clubhouse experience, because you now will have ha chatted to lots and lots and lots of people and they will have listened to your story and they will have told that. Do you think that it, that is one of the problems that if people lack purpose, they lack clarity, they lack passion, then it's very difficult for them to push through when it gets a little bit tricky. But you always had a reason to push through. Mm -hmm. I think people lack clarity to their to their purpose. And I think that is layers of uh, just, I, I think people layer, layer it up. Like they want to be picture perfect. And I think when people are transparent and they peel back those layers and they're like, I went through this and this is why, and then they're just more transparent and can align a little bit more with purpose and purpose doesn't have to be this grand scale, like, you know, mm -hmm. going on stages and advocating and this and that purpose sometimes is in the smallest act. You know, even if we are, if we are just acknowledging and our role today, my role today isn't, and my role every day isn't to go and advocate for Steven or, you know, do it. some days it's just to acknowledge the person that delivers my food and like look them in the eye and thank them for their role in my life and not take anyone or anything for granted. You know, the way that we interact with each other, like even on the smallest level, like the way you do one thing is the way you do all things. And when you think about your interaction with, you know, how you're dealing with the waiter or the waitress or whoever is serving you or whoever you are serving, what is that interaction with your, you know, fellow humans like? What do you what are you doing? Are you appreciative? Are you offering gratitude? <laughs> 
gratitude because your gratitude and grace and saying that I appreciate you and showing somebody that they are heard and valued and bring value can really elevate somebody's that energetic is like a lift to them that they spread out into the world. And it's just, it's just this moving forward in just a, a nicer way. And I think sometimes we align our purpose with, we, we think our alignment with purpose has to be so much grander, but if you look at it at a smaller level and take in those details, and then you can start extrapolating out and understanding that connectedness, you will find maybe find a greater con connected connectedness with people. I don't know where it lies. It lies for everybody in a different space, but start out on the small level and you'll start, you know, don't stand on ceremony. Like we're all in some sort of hierarchy pecking order, better than you, better than me, better than it's just dust to dust. We we're all just humans navigating, you know, from our yeah. own state of consciousness. We're all equals. All of us are all equals. And nobody's better than anybody else. So yeah. I just think coming at it and starting, you know, your day every day like that with grace and gratitude. Mm. Yeah. You know, listen, I'm perfect. I'm not saying I wake up like, you know, like uh, Snow White and singing to the birds or anything like that. But, you know, <laughs> I, do, I do I do treat people well, I, I like to think and uh, uh -huh. all that. Yeah. And yeah. it's also, you do that with every little thing. Uh, she's going to open the door. Uh, with the, if you do that with every little thing, let, let, just try to be present and on purpose. Mm. It's kind of you are creating the habit of being on purpose from the little things, you know, just yeah. like get it, and it builds. And it, it builds and it builds mm. because it's actually the same, the same in reverse. If you mm. wake up and start your day out of purpose. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you get into the habit of not being grateful and not being in grace. And then that also builds. And it, it's, it's, mm. oh, this is wonderful because it's, it's, it's harder to break that big habit that you've done so many times that you are not even aware of. Mm -hmm. And it applies the same. It's very hard to break that wonderful habit of being on purpose all the time if you've allowed yourself to be, you know, to build mm -hmm. it up. We also have to remember it, it's a, it's a dance too. Some days we're just, we're flawed and we're not going to be perfect, you know, and, but you got to be okay with that. You know, it's a cha-cha, two steps forward, one step back, cha-cha-cha, but it does, it builds and it, it becomes intoxicating, you know, because, you know, our, I always try to teach my kids, be kind to everyone because our roads never pass one time. We are, our roads are going to continue to pass and they're going to overlap. And you better make sure that when you need to cross a bridge, you have not burned it because otherwise you're going to have to mire in the muck underneath a bridge. And there's nothing but trolls and all sorts of muddy waters down there. And, you yeah. know, I, that, and I kids over and over again. I remember a couple years ago walking into a makeup place or whatever. And this girl I graduated high school with was there and working. And I happened to be like the chair of a philanthropy trying to get stuff to give away at an, a function or whatever. And she was like, Hey, Barb. And I'm like, Hey, Wendy. And our paths regress. And then we're just chit-chatting. I go, Oh, I'm doing this charity event. Could you guys throw me a basket? When I tell you she threw me a basket, I mean, this was not this Chanel in this basket would end you. I mean, it was like every gorgeous Laura Mercier Chanel, like every uh, 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 Bobby Brown. It was filled to the hilt, thousands and thousands of dollars. This basket, she goes, you were so nice to me in high school when nobody else was. Oh, my God. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. 
So mama shows up with this basket and I'm able to raise thousands of dollars. And I'm telling my kids, I'm like, yeah, she, she was a little awkward and struggled, you know? And I just, you know, listen, I was struggling too. You know, I was, you know, I was, I had like a unibrow. I was, I couldn't, you know, my parents had no, I dressed whatever. I probably wore my brother's clothes. I don't know. By the time I write the book, that story is going to be even more evolved. Like I had, (laughs) you know, like I have a mustache by the time I tell the story, but you know, I'm just saying like, I was just. I was, I had to be, I had to have a lot of personality because I didn't have cool clothes and I didn't have a cool life, but, um, you know, you know, that's just another, just one story of a million of how our paths always, um, cross and recross and everybody knows everybody and do your best, but just be okay with also being flawed. And it doesn't mean, you know, it's never too late to do the right thing kind of, Mm. you know, I, cause I feel like we sit sometimes and listen to all these conversations and then we're like oh my god you think about all the dumb stuff and when you were like rude to somebody or you cut someone you just were in a bad place we're, we're none of us are perfect we're none of us are perfect but take measures to try to you know say you're sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah i just don't want to set unrealistic expectations yeah. i think that's sometimes I'm on, oops sorry we'll be there to show you something you know or mm-hmm. it'd be a mirror for you. And, you know, the good thing is that you can always go back and ask for forgiveness or say that you're sorry, you know. And yeah. it's a good thing by your saying because, for example, uh, last yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, my one of my best friends from school, her, her father passed away from COVID. And oh. it was really shocking. It was really, really shocking because this guy, you know, last week, uh, you know, before COVID, he was posting, he was doing Zumba, you know, on Instagram because he was the um, physical education teacher in my school mm-hmm. for my sister that she was 50. She's now 50 years old. My older sister is 47, me that I'm 43. So this guy had been in my school for like more than 50 years. <laughs> and the amazing part was that uh, she's laughing at me. I don't know why she's making fun of me, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so deep in my, my feelings. She's laughing at me <laughs> of how old I am. Uh, but the thing is that when the, the ex-alumni got hold of this news, everybody pitched in, you know, everybody from everywhere, all the school uh, years and the Air Force, because we are an Air Force family, uh, everybody pitched in and everybody was play- praying and everybody was aware. But in the end, he didn't survive. He was 70, 74 years old. Mm-hmm. But it's that thing, you know, that legacy that he left because he was that person. He was always there for you, even for the the, the kids, kids that weren't good at sports. He was there and he had been in my school for over 40 years, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think you're you always be kind and you see at the end of your rope what you've what you've um uh put out there you know and how it's going to come back well yeah so exactly exactly and what you're saying marissa and 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 what barbara's talking about you know is that as you we will say well, you're manifesting all the time we don't sort of sit down i'm going to manifest who we are the vibrational energy of us is manifesting our reality on a perpetual basis so if you're yeah. trying to be the best you can be and just do it and you know we're flawed human being and you're going to get angry and you're going to be pissed sometime and you're going to forget and you're going to do this but if you just try to do your best you know and you set that intention 
then that's going to bring a much better energetic flow to your life than yeah. if you're sitting there being, I don't like this and I don't want to do this and I hate that. And, and, yet, and yet some people do, um, because if they, if they haven't got a purpose, they get snarly and, and gross and unhappy and depressed and miserable. And, and it's, it's very, very, very interesting listening to you, Barbara, how to me, what I hear more than anything is the drive associated because you were like, what do I need to get done? What do I need to do now? I've got to find a solution. What do I need to do? And you just went and you're doing it. And then you're like, okay, so I'm going to look after my son. And oh, so I'm now, but I'm going to do Clubhouse. I mean, you could have just stayed home, Rodney, but you found Clubhouse and then you just loved it and you followed mm -hmm. the flow, the call of like, I have a purpose, I have more, I can, I can help people. Mm -hmm. This is fun. I also mm -hmm. expect you do things that are fun. I think you seem to be quite fun, but you seem very bouncy. <laughs> I, you know, I do, I, I do think I am fun. And actually, what I am, uh, yes, and I, I like to live. Listen, yes. I, I reading a book about being single and I am definitely I like I'm not your girl for like uh, uh dating advice I'm because you know we also met someone that's wonderful and we did a room <laughs> yesterday she's called Kelly Albano and she's a she's a dating expert and I am doing it with her because um of things of what well, I've been with my husband for 25 years so you know there's there's a time that you have to to take care of that relationship. And she's really good. You know, it would be so much fun if the four of us do a room about it. Oh, yeah, we should do a room on that. That would be so cool. And, yeah, are we... Um, because Kel Kelly's brilliant. I mean, she, and she just... we People come on kind of like, I don't know what to do about this or that. And then she just goes, well. And she's sort of almost manifests it. She's really interesting. Um, but But, you know... Again, it's about belief. Uh, we had a we had a Bobby Del Rio. I don't know if you know him. He's a film producer, and um, and he had like two, had a real black and white life. He had a life where everything worked, and he had this other part where nothing worked. Yeah. And we were like, why do you have these two parts of your life? And because one area he had a hundred percent belief, and here because of things that happened to him, it's zero belief. And the difference in how life works was extraordinary. So, you know, that's why we do these podcasts, because we get so we get something from everybody we talk to and we take it and we do. So what you don't realize is that um, to, on this will be a Monday podcast on a Thursday. We then have a show where Marissa and I just talk about you. <laughs> <Behind your back. laughs> yeah, well, we take we take what we've learned and we kind of mash it up. We go like, oh, look, look, Barbara said, and that's what 10 other people have said. And that has to be true. We kind of we kind of an 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 analyze it. Our philosophy and make them easier so people can relate to them and actually use them to build yeah. a lot. The same right. you did. No, I think that's that's great. And we were just talking. Just I forgot what I was wanted to tell you about fun. We forgot that fun, the fun, 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 fun. Yes, great fun. And uh, then we'll you know we can tie it up. But um, I was reading a book about being single, and it said you um, you have to do like these five things, and I only remember one of them. Uh, and one of them was you have to travel solo. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess you know what, because you're not going to be single forever, and this is just a chapter. And I was like, you know what, you, I won't be single forever. I'm going to get married again, and I really do believe that I will find one and get married again. Um, I just haven't met him yet. And uh, this winter, I just booked a trip to Aspen and went skiing, oh. and 
ended up having like the best time. I ended up with like this, these group of guys that were on their like guys trip. I'm, I love skiing. These guys ski their faces off. I had the best time, but it's almost like I, I manifested that because I was like, I'm going to go to Aspen and I'm going to make friends. And I'm going to have a really good time. Mind you, we're in the middle of COVID. Aspen was totally <laughs> shut down. There's no bars, no restaurants open. Nothing's open. Nothing's open. And I managed to find a pot of boys, have the best time, skied my face off, drank too much, had the best time. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a total fun manis- manifester. I am the, fa- yeah. maybe that manifest fun. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, but that, but because you are fun, you have it inside you, I can tell, because you have it, you wear it, it feels mm. like you're fun. Therefore you attract fun. With, with the, there you go to Aspen and you found That's- fun. Because you, you have to be it to attract it. And you yep. are, I can tell. And so positive. Oh, Barbara, it has been such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you yes. so much for coming on our podcast. Um, so. Now, where what, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Obviously, Clubhouse. How do they connect with you on Clubhouse? Or how do they find you? They have to go to find me on Clubhouse because I'm on there 24-7. But let me tell you, <laughs> you can always look. It's barbaramajeski.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. It's all Barbara Majeski. But my club on Bear on um, Clubhouse yep. is called Bearing It All. And my Bearing It All is also my podcast, which I will be relaunching over the next couple of months. And what it is, it's all about peeling back the curtain and getting the grit behind the glamour. I, like I told you before, I am not one dimensional. I don't like a flat lay picture of myself. I love the idea of peeling back the layers, knowing about the grit, the rise of influencers, entrepreneurs and celebrities, how they got there. Um, And now that club I'm opening up on Clubhouse is the same thing, just cultivating and curating conversations that are real, have value and um, inspiration and, and just you know, really curated with the top moderator. So join me on my club on Clubhouse bearing it all and uh, follow follow me all over the place because I'm fun. I love it. There you are. (laughs) You know, we would love when you do your podcast. We would love to come. I think that would be so much fun. And we will bear it. We will bear it all. Okay. (laughs) Bless you. Um, Barbara, thank you so much. Yeah. um, We, we will, I will come. I will, I need to come to more rooms. I keep missing. I keep, you pop up and I'm like, damn, I'm doing something else. I see. Barbara Jesse ping. I'm like, oh no, I can't go. I need to come to more of your rooms. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. And we wish you all the best with your future endeavors. We will see you on Clubhouse for sure. And uh, hopefully in your podcast one day. All right. Marissa, thank you very much for joining us as always. Thank you for listening to the Dream Team podcast. You can catch Lisa and Marissa every Monday and Thursday. Don't forget to subscribe and review and dream on.